Welcome to the Literacy Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gabriel. This episode is part of our very first series, which is focused on doing intervention online. And I love the conversation you're about to hear because it has that perfect mix of practical and philosophical that leaves you thinking, hey, I can do this. And also thinking, wow, this thing I can do is important and exciting. That is, of course, because we are talking to the great Jen Barone. She's a literacy specialist. She's an adjunct professor. She's a former reading recovery teacher, a star soccer player, and coach. And you will hear all of that in every word she says. She's the real deal. And she's been leading with her teaching and her writing and her presence in this community just really, really well. I'm so excited to have her with us today on this interview. So we'll get right into it. And I'll ask her to introduce herself. So I am um, a reading teacher interventionist and coach. So what that looks like in my district is I work with um, students, one-to-one or small group from kindergarten up to fifth grade that are almost but not quite tiered, tier two, tier three, from our, you know, emergency super, super struggling to the the students that are clinging and kind of what we consider bubble kids. And in those kinds of roles, I am also a coach. So I support the classroom teacher as well in what that can look like um, and how the curriculum can drive um, student progress as well and kind of any sort of shifts that can be made. Um, So that's what it looks like in my district. I'm also able to support um, teachers in other districts. Um, I've had the opportunity to be an adjunct professor with UConn. So that has helped me help teachers really all over the state, which has been cool especially now to see how different districts are doing different things and, you know, gather the best and the brightest ideas from everywhere and then bring them back to our own districts. Mm -hmm. And that's myself included. Um, Opening up the realm of the, the professional learning community to bigger than just our own district. Tell us about yourself. Okay. So I always, always, always wanted to be a social worker. So I originally. I'm sorry. No, this all makes sense. Let me go with that. Sorry, go ahead. I wanted to go to school for social work, and um, my kind of running joke with my colleagues, especially in the intervention setting, is that more than fifty percent of my sessions are therapy, and I say that because I can't do anything unless I have a relationship with a child, and I can't have a relationship with a child unless I know what's going on. So um, even now, you know, in in e-learning world, it's a different kind of connection you have to make with kids and a different kind of way that you have to help kids connect with each other. And I think it's um, in a time where everybody is spastically trying to get everything up and running, I think it's even more important that we pause and figure out where are you emotionally? What's going on in your house? Like, is everybody healthy? Is everybody safe? Are you feeling okay? Like... What's important to you right now? You want to read with your cat on your lap? Great. Like, let's do it. And I think those um, interactions at the cost of two to three minutes of a 20-minute session have allowed me to do 17 minutes of something Mm -hmm. rather than just a mess of a whole lot of nothing for both of us. And I think that's important because um, part of this e-learning time, I think, is about giving ourselves permission Mm-hmm. to reinvest in that connection with kids because even if you had a good one before you left it's diff it's just different mm-hmm. it's a different mm-hmm. um way to interact 
and you have a lot more stuff going around, going on in the background and whatever. And, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not so good. But um, I've definitely bonded with my kids in different ways, which has been kind of cool. But what other things have you discovered or um, did you bring that have helped you make the transition to um, online intervention? Well, um, I guess I would say like big picture things are us having conversations at a district level at, you know, with all the reading teachers and all of the um, LARTs, which are kind of our, our specific literacy coaches, um, <laughs> really coming together and having a vision and a plan, but also understanding that maybe this isn't all bad. Like we can't control the event, but we can control our perspective and our reaction. And maybe this is a great opportunity for us to kind of think about what we've always done and that we can't do it that way. So it's kind of forcing us to drop our prized program and our spiral and the fact that we can't sit right next to the child and think, what is really important? What are the priorities? And what does that look like? And how do we do it? And why do we do it? And it's forcing us to um, look at how so many things are accessible and pretty and sparkly. And, and I think Teachers Pay Teachers is a great example of that. And it's forcing us to kind of beware and to make intentional decisions because, you know, we have overwhelmed, busy families at best. And what we ask them to do with us or to try at home better be important. And it better be what we feel like will um, have long-term lasting effects. And it can't just be that we throw, you know, really beautiful worksheets or really pretty things for them to print out and do because kids that do those well didn't need to do them in the first place. And kids that are struggling have parents that aren't trained to support them. And, and I don't think that's good for anybody. So I think we have this great opportunity to have some discussions that we don't normally have time to do. So like, how great is that, that I'm in collaborative discussions with teams across multiple schools where we get to say, what do we value? What's important? And how do we push that out to kids and support kids as they're trying it? And I think the other cool thing that, that we get to see now is like, what are kids made of? We made a lot of assumptions on this kind of scaffolds that kids need. And maybe they actually don't need all the scaffolds and supports that we throw at them. Um, I think one of the funniest things we've seen already is, you know, we have a bunch of grownups trying to figure out Google Hangouts and Zoom, and then we have kids figuring out how to kick the teacher out of a Zoom meeting and run it without <laughs> them. And, you know, there's been some awesome things that we need to celebrate that our kids are figuring out ahead of us because they also have never used Zoom or Google Hangouts before. And, you know, you have kids figuring out how to connect with each other and then reaching out, like I had a fifth grader reach out to me. I need help. I want to participate with my book club. They're meeting and I'm not sure what's happening in the book and I need your help to figure that out. Like that, that wouldn't have been the lesson I planned for that day, but why would I not go with that? Mm -hmm. You know, she's reaching out, asking for help to connect. And that is what this is all about. That literacy is about connecting with, you know, what are the big ideas here? And I want to share them with someone and she can't do that. And she needs me. Like, how cool is that? that I'm able to be that lifeline for her. That's so awesome. It's a perfect example. You know, we don't normally have because the curriculum is typically this predetermined thing that, that we've agreed to roll out and we can't roll it out like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice opportunity to rethink everything. 
Great. Yeah, I think that's a really empowering theme to think of this deconstruction as um, a purification uh, down to the essentials rather than um, destruction, deconstruction. Uh, that's really, really right. exciting. And I think a lot of the headlines stay the same. Like, mm -hmm. I'm still doing what I always do. I'm meeting my students where they are, whether that means an emotional breakdown today, or that means we're ready to keep working on the, the strategic actions we've been doing. And I'm still motivating them with engaging topics and choice and books. And I'm still coaching in with specific feedback and transferable prompts. And I'm still letting them try it and try it and try it again. And I'm still giving them a coaching tip. And here's what I want you to dip into next time. So those things are still the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those have always been the important things. So I think it's also remembering what teaching really is and what really does move kids. And that, that is it in a nutshell. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wish in some ways that this podcast were audiovisual because I'm like nodding my head so hard and smiling so big. <laughs> I, I'm really excited by what you're saying here. Um, and not just because I agree with you, but because it is hopeful in a time when there's not a whole lot of hopeful headlines going on, but also um, it's exciting. Like we've been waiting for a long time for a new conversation to be going on in the field of literacy. And what a wonderful way to start this new conversation. Um, and what, the other thing I wanted to highlight for our listeners is, you know, this deconstruction would be a disaster if it were happening to each educator by themselves, but you are able to have collaborative discussions about what is missing and what is staying um, or what is what you're ready to leave behind and not try to recreate and the things that you really do want to hold on to. And I think that would be really tough to do completely on your own, but being able to have a uh, discussion about it seems to be uh, something that makes it an almost entirely positive thing. And it makes me excited for what we might come back to school uh, with as a set of priorities and a set of practices uh, that are different from whatever we left with. I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of time because I often am part of discussions in schools where people are trying to schedule intervention or schedule more intervention. And often when a student has an intervention in reading, they also potentially need some help with 17 other things. And so where do you, you know, steal the time and the minutes from in the school day? And now that there really isn't a school day in the same kind of way, instruction has shrunk to minutes, not hours, and to, um, you know, periodic, not daily. And uh, I think a few weeks ago, that would have been impossible to contemplate. And because it's the reality, people are really thinking about what's necessary and what's possible on a completely different time frame that I think we might actually learn from in terms of the periodicity and um, the value potentially of time in between, and also the value of like, which we know from the idea of a mini lesson, short pieces of powerful instruction. So that's kind of exciting. So would you talk a little bit about uh, stuff that's going on in the background? Um, and in the background in school, we've got other kids and other classes and that kind of um, energy and sometimes chaos. And in the background at home, you have other people in the house or animals potentially. Um, tell me about the, what you've noticed about families and siblings and others and how that interacts with reading intervention online. Um, so my husband said to me the other day, there's going to be a whole generation of kids that um, will not think that their teachers live at school. <laughs> and he's so right. Like, yeah. My students, um, some of my favorite sessions so far have been with my five or my three-year-old on my lap. And that my child 
me and the student doing shared reading together. Um, I just got off with a first grader, a really, really severely struggling first grader who, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of confidence. And he's, as of yesterday, obsessed with my son <laughs> and would like to know if he could start to send us um, teaching videos where he teaches my son some things about reading. How wow. is that not going to move both of them forward? That is beautiful and not something that I created. That happened mm -hmm. because my son Cole wanted to sit on my lap. He was being nosy. And my student was like, oh my God, who is that? That kid's just a year or two younger than me. And they started reading together. I mean, how beautiful is that? We have kids reading with their cats on their laps. Um, some of the most powerful um, interactions I've had are where I've awkwardly encouraged parents or grandparents to stick around mm -hmm. and they've heard the way I do or do not coach in and how long I wait and what I say and when I say it and them just saying, wow, I think I can try that. That's going to change the way that we read together the rest of this week. And wow. the fact that I'm now, you know, in their ear and, and they're witnessing the, the lack of struggle between the reader and the listener that I think sometimes happens at home a lot for our struggling readers. You know, reading is a battle and it's yeah. a fight and it's not enjoyable. And mm -hmm. they see when I jump in and when I don't and when I take on the reading load and it shifts to a conversation and just a book that we enjoy and why I make that decision and how, you know, the enjoyment and the meaning behind reading is always the priority and how wow. I can kind of shift in and out of that. And I think that's you know, that's an opportunity we don't get. We don't get parents and grandparents that get to come in and spy on our lessons, mm -hmm. but they do now. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It kind of um, deputizes them as uh, extended extensions of, uh, of, of your instruction. That's really exciting. I love that. Um, tell me about things that are still questions for you or concerns that are kind of nagging at the back of your mind as we make this transition. What's the raw edge of your learning right now? So I, I mean, you kind of hit on this before. I, I'm really um, excited for, I'm not going to say concerned because I'm choosing my perspective. I'm excited for the opportunity to make a really conscious effort to coordinate assessments and instruction when we return. Now, whether that's returning in May or returning in the fall, mm -hmm. it has to look different. It cannot just be that we give the September assessments and we start the September curriculum. Um, we have to really decide intentionally and quickly who we are um, gonna dig into, what it looks like and what we're gonna do with that information. The timeline has to shift, the what we do has to shift. Um, and we can't come in with assumptions that kids are drowning right now because I have to tell you, some of my kids aren't. Mm -hmm. The things that they're doing um, are not going to create gaps when we get back. And I think assuming that all of our kids are worse off is incorrect. Wow, that's exciting. That's super exciting. And it absolutely makes sense. When I evaluate the opportunities to develop literacy in a classroom or a school or a district, I'm kind of looking for how a certain set of key ingredients combine and recombine to create opportunities. And those ingredients absolutely exist outside of school and in some case in greater abundance outside of school. So in some cases, probably they are recombining in ways that are as supportive or even more supportive of literacy development. What if we decide that school needs to be three hours like homeschool is? 
Yeah, what if we find out how effective it really is? I mean, some of the, the things my students have come up with that they wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, you have coordinated efforts to develop music videos about how much they miss their friends. And you have kids that are playing outside more than they normally get to. I mean, there's mm -hmm. tons of research on what that does for being able to access learning. Yeah. This movement alone. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are kids connecting with other kids that don't usually have time to talk to each other. And that in and of itself is going to stimulate so many other connections and interpretive thinking and, and all kinds of things that just may not have happened if they were pulled out in a one-to-one -one with an intervention teacher with a spiraled program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right on, right on. Way to bring it home to the essentials again, Jen. Way to be. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm really excited to share your perspective with our audience. Why, thank you. And that's it for this chat. You can find our guest's contact information by navigating from our website, reading.education.ucon.edu, and clicking on podcast. We'll also have a transcript of this conversation and links to some of the tools and ideas mentioned here. Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, share, and check back here next week for a new series of podcasts from your UConn Literacy Fellows. Thanks for listening.